Hello, welcome to Thoughts on Thoughts, a podcast where you, our listeners, can become part of a conversation with us. We are three therapists who are going to talk about the good, the hard, and all the in-betweens of life. Come join us. This is KJ, and I have Jessica here, and we have a guest today. We have Heidi Roby joining us. Hi, Heidi. Oh, hey. <laughs> um, so Heidi and I go way back. We met working at a treatment center uh, for teenage girls. Um, we were both staff working there, and Heidi and I have continued staying friends for a decade plus now. Girl, please, staying best friends yes. for a decade. <laughs> yes, and so I'm going to tell you a little bit about her. Um, she gave me a bio to read, which I think is so wonderful. And if you know Heidi from social media, her handle is Hot Mess Heidi Roby. But if someone sends me a bio to read on the podcast, how much of a hot mess could they really be? This is not... Um, it should be noted this bio was actually written by President Obama a few years back, so it's like comes from a legit source. Just kidding, I wrote it. <laughs> I would be a... It would be cool yeah. though if someone cool had written it, and less embarrassing now that you've told everyone that I wrote it. But <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> oh well, I think it's great. So here we go. So Heidi's a boy mom, comedian, and mental health advocate. So as a comedian, she writes and produces all original comedy skits about motherhood and marriage for TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Her goal is to create comedy skits that help young mothers feel seen, loved, and good enough. As a public speaker and mental health advocate, she shares her personal experiences with mental illness to help advocate for better mental health for all, but especially for young women and mothers. She has shared her story on her internet platforms and college courses on various podcasts and on television. Someday she hopes to have her own comedy and talk show on which she can share comedy skits and interviews that will uplift and inspire mothers across the globe. Honored to have you Dang, here. That sounds really it impressive. So impressive. <laughs> no. Get her a show it's now, really you know? Dang. <laughs> Yeah, so we're really excited to have Heidi on, not just as a friend, but like as, you know, someone who's also an advocate in the mental health world. I think I think you have like a very unique voice that you're adding to it, and I am just always impressed by you. So let's talk a little bit about your history, your background, um, and why... You're here to talk to us about mental health, and we're also talking about mental health within the realm of social media. That's today's topic. So, Heidi, why are you an expert in this area? Tell us. <laughs> I am an expert in this area because I have been on the struggle freaking bus with mental health basically my entire life. Um, so I'm not an expert because of like study, but because of, well, I have studied it, but 
um, but because of an intense amount of experience uh, struggling with mental illness, specifically anxiety and depression. Uh, so just a little background, um, a brief history of my journey with mental illness, um, just to kind of give some background about where I'm coming from and then how social media has layered in different levels of difficulty within the mental health sphere. Um, so I have been struggling with anxiety and depression since I was about nine years old. Um, I can pinpoint that to where it started getting really bad because, um, and sorry, this is going to go really dark really quick, but I promise it's going to go to a happier place soon. Uh, when I was in fifth grade, I tried to take my life, um, because I had, um, tried to be the green team president, which is, this is embarrassing to admit out loud. This was that devastating to me. Uh, and my friends elected somebody else. And it wasn't that being the green team president, the recycling queen was really like my life ambition. Um, but in that moment to my little 10 year old brain, um, I read it as a confirmation of all of my fears that nobody loved me and that I wasn't mm. wanted. Um, yeah. And, and so I may have struggled with depression before that. Um, but that's when I know it got to a very severe point because obviously you're not going to try to suffocate yourself as a little kid. If, if you're not really struggling yeah. with your illness, um, yeah. you're not feeling those things so strongly. Yeah. That's yeah. hard. So, Such yeah, a young so, kid. Oh, yeah. So yeah. hard. But, um, back when I was a kid, teen, really until the last like 10, 15 years, I think mental illness was kind of like, a something that people don't talk about that much. It was kind of like a secretive thing. Um, I think thanks to many, many voices on social media, now people talk about it. It's a conversation that I feel comfortable having with literally anybody off the street that I can go on a podcast and tell complete strangers my story. And I'm okay with that. It's, it's scary, but I can do it. Um, but when I was a kid and a teen, I was so ashamed, felt so much shame surrounding my mental illness. Um, and that just made it a lot worse because I think shame lives in the dark. Shame lives in secret. And when you bring things out of the dark, that's where communication, that's where connection comes. And that's where healing lies. So from the time I was like a preteen all the way through age 20, um, I privately dealt with this illness that, um, that I had never been diagnosed for, um, that I never got treatment for, any help for, that the only people that knew about were like my immediate family only because I'd go at school and be happy Heidi and I'd come home and cry and just feel so alone. Just so, 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 so alone. Um, so they knew about it, but that was it. And it wasn't until I was 20, um, that I was moving into a new apartment and I was having massive anxiety about if I had chosen the right place to live and, oh my gosh, like, what if I don't find my husband? And, and it was this cascading thing like then I'm going to have to go on a mission for my church and then I won't get married till I'm really old and then I won't have enough kids and like my whole so life. Yeah. So yeah, my whole life yeah. was in the palm of my hand in terms of which apartment I move into and that's how my brain was telling me and I had mm -hmm. a massive panic attack. 
It was so embarrassing. I was there with my landlord signing my contract. I was there with my dad. It's my dad, my sweet dad, finally, just like behind my back, set up an appointment for me at the BYU psychiatry appointment. Um, And I'm so grateful he did. So grateful because then I finally, after a decade of struggling with this illness, went and got diagnosed. And my diagnosis uh, was for clinical depression, which is brought on by anxiety. And so um, what the psychiatrist told me, and this has shifted at different times in my life, but at least at that point in my life, uh, my anxiety was so bad that I would spiral. And then I would get to a place where I felt like there's no way out. I give up and then I would just be depressed. Um, at that point, I was prescribed a low dosage of citalopram. I believe I started with 10 milligrams. And over the next like almost 15 years now that I've been medicated, um, I've been on different dosages of that. And just a couple of years ago, I switched to Zoloft um, because after having three babies, uh, my body had higher needs. Um, and so Zoloft, you can have a higher dosage than Citalopram. Um, And I'm telling you all of that not to like overshare, um, but rather just to uh, help people realize that medication is normal. It, you know, if I had like a heart condition or cancer or diabetes or anything else, no one would blink an eye about me using meds for it. In fact, they would definitely blink an eye if I refused to use meds that would help me to be better. So I think that we really need to normalize as a society, the use of medication for mental health, Mm -hmm. because if it can save your life, if it can let you live a life, why the freaking worth it? I want to like, just so you could say, I don't have to medicate it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. No, I agree. Then after I finished college a year later, after getting diagnosed, went on a mission for my church or for the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I served in Provo, Utah, Booyah. Um, and going to be honest, up until this point in my life, and I'm hoping ever, but you never know what life has in store for you. My mission was the hardest period of my whole entire life. It was so hard. It was like a pressure cooker for all of my mental health issues, especially because I had only just freshly been diagnosed. I had only been starting to open up people. And my whole life, I hid my illness from other people. But with your companion on a mission, you're with your companion. You You can't hide it. You can't hide it. And it was, it was excruciating for me, like physically, emotionally excruciating to have somebody see me under a microscope like that and to not be able to hide it because it had been my defense for so long to always act happy. Uh, And so on my mission, I went to therapy a couple different periods of my mission. And honestly, like that therapist saved my life. Like, like truly like, like there was time in my mission where I felt, and this is not because of the church, because of my parents, but this is just because of the way my brain was working. I genuinely felt it would be more honorable for me to go home in a casket than with my suitcase. And I started to wish that I could get cancer or get hit by a car or something so I could go home because I was having such a hard time having all of my resources for dealing with mental health kind of stripped from me. Um, and I just needed help so bad. So meeting with therapists, um, and getting my meds adjusted on my mission, like I cannot advocate more for those things because 
how they just like picked me up and helped me along. Uh, since my mission, I've been in therapy on and off during different periods of my life when I've needed it. I've noticed that major stressors in life, like a new baby or back in December, my husband went blind for a few weeks. That was a very random stressor. Um, during times in those, those like I always have to anticipate that I'm going to have a relapse with anxiety and depression. Um, also times with big transitions like a move or early marriage or starting a new job, all those things. Um, I have gone and worked with therapists to help me transition. Um, and I also have developed like a lot of coping skills along the way, but do I think I am healed from depression? No, (laughs) I think that this is something that I will continue to work with my whole life. I feel completely certain that I will be on medication for my whole life. And I'm okay with that. I'm really okay with it because that's just how my body is. And I want to, I want to be there for my kids more than I want to be off of medication. Um, in terms of social media, a little background on that, sorry, this is turning into a very long introduction. Um, is that back in 2020, I started putting content on TikTok. Uh, I had felt prompted for years and years and years that I needed to, um, this is embarrassing to say out loud, but I have felt since I was a teenager that I needed to become a public figure, that I needed to create a platform um, on which to be able to be a voice for good in the world. Um, And so I started creating comedy as a way um, to gain a following so that I could use my following um, to help other people who similarly were struggling um, to give themselves grace, to be kind to themselves. Um, and so back in 2020, I posted a couple of videos and one of them went really viral. Um, and I immediately like overnight had a, a social media following and it was like this tidal wave came into my life that I didn't know what to do with, where I felt like I have to write it. The wave's going to go away. Um, but I have this little baby and a toddler and a husband and friends and fitness and all the other things I need to do in my life. And that tidal wave just kind of like washed over everything. And so for the last like three years, I have been trying to find this balance between um, building a following and doing what I feel called to do online versus being able to remain mentally healthy, which honestly has been the biggest contradiction of my entire life. Because as we're going to talk about today in this podcast, um, my purpose on social media is to help people with their mental health, but there is literally nothing in this world that affects my mental health more than being on social media. Um, so it's what, you know, just how do you win? You know, (laughs) truly for real. Like I just, I don't know. I haven't figured it out. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's like being a working mother tonight as we record. Yeah. By the end of this podcast, Heidi will have had a huge realization, guys. And so will all of you. Congrats. Just stay stay along for the ride. Yeah. I got to be honest, as I was like prepping for this, I just kept like postponing it, like procrastinating it and like not wanting to do it. I'm like, what is my problem? Like mental health advocacy. This is my passion. This is what I love. And I was like, why am I like postponing getting rid of this podcast? And then I had this moment of realization. I'm like, it's because this is not something that I'm healed from. This is not something I feel like I'm talking from like 
like a big sister, like I got your back, but I feel like I'm still in the pit, you know? And so this is like real, this is raw. And, um, so to everyone who's listening, just know I'm not coming from a place of like, oh, I figured it all out. And, um, so this is what you have to do to make social media easy, but I'm coming from a place of this is freaking hard. I've been on a break for months because I can't hack it. But these are things that have helped me and that I'm going to keep in my mindset as I try to have the courage to walk back into the arena again sometime this year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've already felt very connected to this just by hearing that. Like to live in a world where like social media can do so much damage to where we feel like we need to heal from it. And it's so hard because there's so many highs to it too, right? Connecting with people. Oh, yeah. It's just, it's wonderful as well. So it, it's hard. It is hard to navigate. Definitely. Yeah. It's really hard. It's like for someone who has like, um, like an eating addiction, you can't just cut out food out of your life. You have to learn how to have a healthy relationship with food. And it's the same thing with social media. Like you can just cut it all out. Like you don't physically need it. Um, but today's world is built around social media, socially, um, in terms of like businesses, growing businesses. That's how you do it. Um, connecting with your community, um, with your church or organizations that you're part of. Like social media is just integral to everything in the world right now. Um, and so especially if you are, a contributor and not just a consumer like it is it's so important but my gosh but my gosh it's so freaking hard i can't even you guys yes. <laughs> just hate it <laughs> people are always like how do you what's your advice for how to um spend less time on social media i'm like oh become a content creator and then you're gonna hate every second you spend on there and want off as soon as possible <laughs> so that's how Yes. Well, stemming off of that, um, how do you feel like social media can play a part in people's mental health struggles? Like, what have you experienced? What have you seen? Just so much. Just like in literally every single way, KJ. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I, um, honestly, I think that in today's day and age, especially for teenagers and young adults and like young moms. I think maybe people who like just use Facebook, like cute grandmas and stuff. It's like, I don't feel like it affects them as much, you know? Um, But for those of us that kind of like grew up with it a little bit, I think it's honestly perhaps the main cause of anxiety and depression today Um, because it takes all of the things that cause anxiety and depression out in the world and it puts them in front of your face all the time. And so it's like, you can't get away from it. It's, it's in your home. It's in your face. It's in your brain constantly. So I just kind of compiled a list of ways that I feel like it can really negatively impact mental health. Um, and this is coming from someone who intends to be on social media forever, who sees all of the great things about it, who has defended social media because I know what a difference it can make. But also because of it, these are things that are very real that I have learned that are really hard. So take this knowing that I'm not saying get off social media, but saying like, be careful because there's some sharks in the ocean, but you can still go swimming, you know? Okay. First off, 
this is pretty obvious, but social media, I feel like is the biggest, the biggest proponent of comparison. Uh, I mean, I think it's normal to go out in the world and compare yourself to someone else, but usually like that, like really pretty girl at church, you see her like once a week and then like you can like go on with your day. But when you see her like five times a day on your newsfeed, like that's different. And when you see her like perfectly dressed up and posed and you see her looking great, because usually you're not out living your best life on your phone on social media. You're in social media and your PJs in your bed when nobody wants to hang out with you eating a Snickers bar and watching The Bachelor. Mm -hmm. And comparing yourself to the people on that show, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it becomes this highlight reel where we see everybody's perfectly filtered, best edited parts of their life, the funnest things they're doing, the happiest things, the accomplishments. And then we look at our real lives, whatever crappy thing we're in right now. And we just feel like that's how our brains process it. Um, because here's the thing. Most people are not posting when they're just sitting around in their PJs, you know, when they are sad and crying, when they are feeling isolated or like a failure. That's not when they're like, hmm, I think I'll get on and post something on the media. So it creates um, a huge disparity between reality and kind of this filtered view of life. Second, um, I think social media really makes people feel ostracized and isolated, which is ironic because the point of social media is to connect people and it can, it has the power to help people feel connected if they use it for connecting. However, if they're just using it to get on and scroll, um, it can really, really, really make people feel like they are being left out. Um, we all know about FOMO, fear of missing out. Um, but in a book that my husband and I were listening to, um, called the coddling of the American mind, um, it talks about faux blow fear of being left out which is a whole nother thing that I think you have FOMO. You're scared that there's fun things going on you're not doing. But when you're on the internet scrolling, it's like right there in front of you. It's like this newsreel of all the people who are hanging out without you, of all the things that are going on that you weren't invited to. Um, and it's really hard for us if we have even an inkling of self-doubt or a feeling like people don't want to be around us. Um, seeing that reel of other people's fun things they're doing without us makes us feel like we are being left out like purposely being left out, or if nothing else, that people haven't thought to invite us, that we aren't important enough. Um, I mean, that's something that I as an adult have struggled with, like in my mid thirties, still struggling with the faux blow thing with feeling like, look at what everyone's doing without me. They don't love me. Yeah. You know, it's rough. Yep. Uh, another thing, number three, social media gives an extreme overemphasis to popularity. You know, when you're in high school and popularity is like currency, <laughs> social media literally numerates your popularity. This is how many likes you have. This is how many comments you have. This is how many friends or followers you have. Well, and now the algorithm like exacerbates that by being like, and we're only going to show it to certain people if you already are popular, but like how, and so it just makes everything yeah. even compoundedly so worse. You know? It's so hard. It's compounding. Right. And it's like, you can't even take a break from it. You come back and then nothing gets viewed and you feel like it just adds to the mm -hmm. feeling of not good yeah. enough. Yes. Um, yep. but also, not only does it take enumerate your popularity, but it takes it to a step further. It monetizes your popularity. Like people literally get paid to be pretty. They get paid to be popular. <laughs> yeah. They yeah. get paid to get stuff for free and then tell people they got it for free. You know, yeah. like this is 
that is like, it makes you feel like you're in a perpetual state of high school where you get what you want because you're wearing the right thing or because mm-hmm. you look the right way. And that yeah. is not healthy yeah. at all. No, no. At all. Uh, it also can become like a really unhealthy mode of coping. Like I know when I'm like, I can't with my kids, I used to just like scroll on Instagram, scroll, 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 because mm-hmm. it's a numbing behavior. But when you yeah, sit around, very that, comforting in a way yeah, to be able yeah. to just disconnect from exactly. any stressor in life. Yeah. But then it adds to mental illness because then you're like, oh, I really am not doing anything with my life. Like all the time I yes. could have been connecting with my children or like working on myself. Like, yeah, I literally have done nothing. And it mm-hmm. it's like a vicious cycle where you like are looking like, look at how much better other people are than me. And then you're not working on yourself. So then you feel even worse, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, just a couple more. Another one is internet hate. And there's kind of two sides of that. One is the people who come at you, the internet trolls. Where you have to cope with this, like, what random strangers or people from school who are just being so mean and saying things to me, they would never say to my face. But then on the flip side, because we can kind of hide behind our screens, it makes people feel like they can say and do things online that they would not do somewhere else. Um, It creates kind of a breed of internet warriors, if you will, who not only feel entitled, but who feel like it is their responsibility, their calling to go call out everyone who is cultural appropriating or who is anything else, you know, to just go and, and shame everybody on the internet or to go say things that they would never say to someone's face. Um, and it's just kind of created this culture of like cruelty, um, which really like really hurts. Like it really hurts people. And then last, but definitely not least most important and which we have to be so careful with our kids and like telling them about these things um, cyberbullying, ostracizing, catfishing, stalking, trafficking, pornography, desensification to all of those things, to vulgarity, porn, drugs. Um, those are like more of the extremes, but they are things that as parents, especially, I think that we have to really be proactive about talking to our kids about because they are real. They are real things that happen. Oh yes, totally, totally real. And so easy to access through social media. Yeah, so easy. Okay. Well, yeah. that list yeah. was very validating. Like, I think you could be someone who has one social media app and experience things like that and someone who has 10 social media apps and experience like it is just prevalent on all of them, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, so you with being in the, Oh, Oh, wait, can I add one more? I just thought of, I'm so sorry. This is something that I forgot about. Okay. Something that really, as a consumer of social media, one way it's really, 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 really been hard for me, um, is it's not normal in a course of a day to see like five people whose kid died or who is going through a divorce or something. One thing that algorithms do is sorry, this is just really close because as someone with an anxiety disorder, like it's hard for me to go on Facebook or Instagram for that reason. Um, because algorithms, how they work is they push the things that getting the most attention. So you're going to get like people's very best highlights, their biggest accomplishments, and you're going to get the really hard stuff that's going to pop up. So every day to go online and be like, Oh my gosh, somebody else's kid died or someone else's husband was in a plane crash or someone else's getting divorced. Like that gives you a skewed perspective of life as well. Um, 
that for me has been just so hard and honestly caused me so freaking much anxiety. So that's also something to be aware of too. Oh, no, Sorry. No, yeah. I, I always talk about that. Like that's how your world is only supposed to be like your small village. That's how we were created. Our brain can't handle feeling for everyone. So we've talked about this yeah. before on the podcast of like calming down and just focusing on your world, you know, rather than the entire world. It's okay to take a step away from the entire world because you're not responsible for some random mom in Minnesota who's having a hard time. That's not your role, you know? Yeah, that was something I really noticed with the algorithm on TikTok when I got on TikTok like six months ago um, was I was I would scroll the for you section and it would be like DIY recipe like mild things and then it would be like trafficking victim and then it would be like diy recipe comedy skit um like disaster you know and so it was just like calming calming anxiety calming calming anxiety and our brains are not built to be triggered like that in like a five minute span <laughs> they're just not yeah oh, no yeah it should be like if my child is dying, if my sister's child is dying, then that is an appropriate time for me to have these big emotions and whatever. But what happens is this anxiety thing of we see it and then we think, well, what if that happened to me? And then I feel all these feelings and then I see, but it is happening to them. And then I feel all these feelings for them. And I'm overwhelmed with grief from someone that is not in my orbit or sphere at all or in any way, shape or form. And it is lovely to care for strangers. That is lovely until the cost is you don't have any energy to care for yourself or the people in your actual world because you're too overwhelmed with so much grief and loss all over the world, you know, because it's happening all day, every day. But that's just always going to be happening because it's an entire world with billions of people, yeah. you know. Bam. Nailed it. So with you being in the public eye, being a content creator, what have you had to do to have boundaries to navigate this for yourself to keep yourself healthy for sure so like I said social media is a battlefield for me I literally you know Brene Brown talks about going in the arena and that it's not up to the people in the stands to like make fun or whatever but that's physically how I feel when I go on social media I feel like I'm walking into the arena and I have to just put this actual shield on my heart um because I feel so vulnerable, like I'm going to be torn down, like I'm going to have imposter syndrome, comparison, not feel good enough, have people fat shame me or say cruel things to me. Um, so I have definitely been very, very mindful about creating a lot of boundaries for myself. Um, just a few things that I have tried. One is taking social media breaks. I'm actually on a social media break right now. This is the first thing I've done work-related in a few months. Um, the reason being because I had a lot of really, really, really hard things going on in my personal life. And then I tried coming on the internet and then I posted a video trying to help support uh, moms, like postpartum mothers. And I got massively fat shamed by a bunch of strangers. Um, and And I kept trying, but I eventually was like, I can't. I already am struggling so hard just to get up in the morning to do what I need to do. I can't have 
like this actual dagger coming into my heart every day. And I just, I had to take a step back and I have every tension of coming back at some point. I don't, I don't know if that's going to be in a month or in six months or a year. I really don't know. So, uh, taking social media breaks, giving yourself that permission, which is actually really hard because the algorithms prioritize people who have frequently posts and whose posts do well. So if you take a break, honestly, it's like, I don't think social media is set up for people who have uh, mental illness because it causes mental illness. And then you take a break to get better and then you come back. And by the time you start getting the algorithm back up again, you're so exhausted that you have to do it. So it is what it is. Also, something else I've tried is I've tried to be super real online. Um, I've tried to be kind of like the anti-influencer um, to show people what a real mom's like, what real life is like. Um, and in doing so, it's helped me to form actual genuine connections with people and to hopefully be able to combat some of the... Um, really hurtful culture that is formed on social media. Uh, I feel like you do great at that. Just a side note. Like truly. I'm always like, Heidi is the most relatable mom on Instagram. (laughs) Thank you. I think think people feel the courage to be real when somebody else does it first, you know? Yeah. Um, Something else that has helped me tremendously is I have muted this sounds awful. I have muted accounts that are similar to my own, which makes me seem really mean. But the reason for it is those are like my buddies. That's my squad and I love them. But if I am looking at their content and seeing their views, I cannot function. I just, I can't. And so it's a boundary that I have to do. Anything that is like a comedy thing, muted, you know, mom account, mute. Uh, other influencers like within kind of my sphere, mute. And I feel bad because those are my friends, but I mute all of them because I can't, I have to have, my feed has to be things that are completely not related to me or things like your podcast, things that are like on mental health that like help me to stay online, you know? Um, so give yourself permission. You don't have to unfriend people, but you can mute accounts. Even if it's just someone who you have like a petty comparison thing with, they don't need to know you muted them. Just mute them. Give yourself that grace, you know? Uh, also limiting time I spend online. I try to have an objective. I try to go on, get it done and get off. Cause if soon as you get in there, you get stuck in the scroll and it's just a dangerous place. Man, it really is. Um, and probably the biggest thing for me is I have had to be very, very conscientious about being mentally present when I'm with my kids. So not on my phone with my kids, not scrolling, not answering things, but I've had to put like a very clear divide between like when I am doing work, I am doing work and someone else is watching my kids. And when I'm with my kids, I am not doing work at all, especially because I think as like an influencer, um, a lot of influencers, like their life is their content. And so their kids become their content. Their husband becomes their content. And it, yeah. it makes so there's no divide, which, you know, exactly. so own, everything so- is content and exactly. it's and I not at the same time, you know? Yeah. I just decided I'm going to write what my comment to be. And I will make that my content, but my family life doesn't need to have any part of it because I, mm-hmm. my kids need me more than my followers need my content, you know? Yeah. I would say those are probably the things that have helped me the most. Mm-hmm. Wow. Those are really, really good boundaries. And, and I feel like I've been trying to work on some of those things myself. Not, I mean, I'm not a content creator as far as like what we do on social media 
for the podcast is we just post when we have the, episode the bare minimum. And we do like <laughs> meme therapy once a week where we share a bunch of memes, and which I love. We've like yeah. really, which we truly believe is yeah, doing we've good. Really pared it, it down because we found even with three of us kind of doing this, it was just way too much to try to game the algorithm and keep up and try to Mm -hmm. gain listeners and all of that and we've had many conversations about it where we're just like we need to change our expectations and you know Mm -hmm. if ever bod says this a lot if we have a podcast that helps just one person then that helped one person and it's it's worth worth it it. and and we found that social media is like yeah maybe some people will be help, but we need to focus on the podcast, you know? And I kind of heard that in what you're talking Mm -hmm. about with like, I just need to not care about the numbers as far as like, I need to care about my mental health more. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it's just like really validating hearing you say some of these things because I'm like, that's what we were experiencing for years. And then we've just shifted and it has helped so much. I think that's so so freeing. I love Mm -hmm. that. It's very freeing when you decide that you get to be in charge and the algorithm does not control your life and the Mm -hmm. followers, the views do not control your life. I think it's Mm -hmm. so awesome that you guys said that you figured out what actually mattered to you because I think when you're on social media, because of the numerizing of everything, it's, it's hard to, to lose focus. Mm -hmm. Um, so another thing that's helped me is I, I remember my life goal is not to be an influencer. That was never on the cards for me. My life goal is I want to have a talk show. I want to be a comedic actress and a producer. That's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And so social media for me, it's my online portfolio. It's my means to an end. So mm-hmm. if somebody steals my comedy skit, yeah, that sucks. They did it, whatever. If people don't like my video, it was still worth it to create good content because that's my online portfolio. Um, mm-hmm. So when you remember really what the point of it is, it makes it a little bit easier to just be like, nah. Well, I mean, it sucks, but it is what yeah. it is. Yeah, but my purpose was in something else, you know? Yeah. And that's what we were finding was like, we're spending all this time creating posts on social media when really we just wanted to be spending all of our time and energy making podcasts. And so it took us so long to figure that out that we kind of burnt ourselves out. And now we're crawling out of that burnout. It is. I know? mean, like there is a lot to be said for that where it is so time consuming and it is just, bleh. I mean, yeah. I'm a content creator and I also hate everything about it. So <laughs> yeah, I know, which I think a lot of people feel, you know, some people just really genuinely enjoy it. And those are those really high energy extroverted people who are just like, this is great, but I don't know that there's anyone that doesn't feel the strong downsides of it, you know, yeah, because yeah. they're so strong. I just yeah. think they're unavoidable. So as, you know, this content creator online, how do you navigate that comparison and criticism? Just oh, it has been one fish in the pond. It's, been death. <laughs> it's a roller coaster and a constant uphill battle. I am constantly trying to figure out how to do that. I'm still trying to figure out how to do that. But let's break those down a little bit. First, let's talk about criticism. Um, as a content creator, especially on TikTok, but even on Instagram, guys, the wolves have come out. People have honestly been so mean to me. Like they've come after my hair. 
my kids. Unreal my to me. I just yeah, hate I mean, like, oh my everything. Gosh. My marriage, like anything you can criticize and anything that you could possibly be offended by. Mm-hmm. Like it's so frustrating for me to have to take every comedy skit that I write, every post that I make and have to look at it from the lens of every single snowflake and every single troll and every single Karen and think, yeah. hmm, how could, what could someone possibly be mad about this? Which I am never, ever, never yeah, trying to what offend are they anyone, gonna say? I'm, My purpose is to uplift people and people still mm-hmm. find reasons to be wildly offended and call me names online. <laughs> so yeah. uh, that being said, mm-hmm. Um, two things that have really helped is one, honestly, I've just had to develop a tough skin, like a real tough skin. Uh, as I learned in princess diaries, <laughs> no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. Right. <laughs> and I have had to learn that if I let some snotty 13 year old on the internet, make me feel like a bad mom, that was my choice to do so. Cause I don't have to let what annoying people on the internet say be needing to me. Something I've really learned and decided is if someone does not really know me, then they cannot really hurt me because unless someone really knows me well, then what they're saying is not a very accurate thing. For example, KJ, you are someone who I love and trust with all my heart. You've been one of my dearest friends for over a decade now. If you were to tell me some criticism about myself, I would take it seriously and I would consider it um, because you know me and you know not just the surface level what's online, but you know me. But if some random internet stranger watches a 20 second comedy skit that I made and makes assumptions and accusations about my life, then I realize I don't need to be offended by that because that just shows me that one, they were having a bad day or two, they're just kind of a jerk. Or three, they have their own insecurities, and that's just a reflection of that. Yeah, that that mindset, Uh, I feel like, shifts the power, right? It gives the power back to you to be like, you do not have the ability to make me feel inferior. Exactly. Along with that, um, I always have to remember to consider the source. A quote that I love says, if you wouldn't take someone's advice, then you shouldn't take their criticism. Mm -hmm. Just like I said, KJ, I would take your advice any day, but should I, so I would take your criticism, but I wouldn't take the advice of some Karen online of some TikTok troll, some internet warrior. So I don't need to take their criticism either. Yeah. It's really important to remember that the unkind things people say online is a reflection of their own securities. It's important to remember that hurt people hurt people. So, if they were happy with themselves, they would never have to go body shame you or shame your marriage or shame your faith online. And it's important to remember that their f- viewpoint of you is very short-sighted and very filtered. It's based off of a clip that you put online or a picture you put online, not based off who you truly are as a human being. Yeah. That brings us to your other question, comparison, how how I um, have worked through comparison online. Um And I would say like five quick little bullet points there. One is to remember that no comparison is a fair comparison. Everybody's situation, abilities, resources, time constraints, they're all different. No comparison is a fair comparison. So when I compare myself to other mom content creators or mom comedians, that's not a fair comparison. I have to remind myself they weren't just working a husband through dental school. You know, they weren't living in a tiny little townhouse. They had a place to film. I didn't. Um, 
And that goes for everyone. No comparisons there. Two, it's so helpful, like I said earlier, to mute accounts that make you feel inferior. Even if it's one of your best friends, if their posts make you feel inferior, don't unfriend them. You don't want to create drama, but you can mute them. You don't have to keep consuming their content. Three is to follow accounts, actively follow accounts that genuinely make you happy. Um, you get to control what's on your newsfeed. Your news feed is determined by what things you focus on, by what content you interact with. And so if you follow and interact with content that inspires you, that makes you happy, that helps you feel good about yourself, that is what the algorithm is going to push to the top of your newsfeed. Fourth, fake it till you make it. And by that, I mean, if you want to genuinely be happy for other people online, give genuine praise, leave loving comments, be genuinely congratulatory. I don't think that's a word. Congratulatory. Congratulate people. Oh, thank you. Congratulations to me for saying congratulatory. Uh, genuinely give praise online. And as you do so, you're going to train your brain to not look at other people's things like, oh, they did so great at this. Now I suck. But to say, oh, they did so great at this. Good for them. And the more you do it, the more that you make that practice of genuinely uplifting, you really can shift the way that your brain views other people's content. And finally, practice gratitude. Um, when we are always comparing ourselves to others, it's easy to see all of their best things that we're not good at or that we don't have good and to lose sight of what we do have. And so when we genuinely practice gratitude, when we, whether it be through a gratitude journal or through prayer or through just saying thank you to people, whatever it is, um, that gives us a more stable foundation with which to go onto social media because we're not going from a place of lacking we're going online from a place of, I have so much good in my life and let's go celebrate the good in other people's lives as well. Yeah. I, I really like that. And it sounds kind of, it's this idea of being present online in a way that brings goodness back to you. Like I'm very much a, what do they call it? Where you just kind of sit back and scroll and you don't really interact. I feel like there's a word for it, but yeah, I can't remember it right now, but I am very much that way. And so I'm seeing all these things, having all these feelings, but when I actually like comment on someone's post or acknowledge it or tell them that I like it, it feels good. And so I feel like putting yeah. some of that positive energy out there can come back to you. So yeah, oh, heck yes. I like those thoughts a lot. Um, so you've shared a lot of wonderful things about how to navigate some of this, a lot of food for thought. I'm just wondering if you have any final tips for people as far as having a healthier mindset approach to social media, if they too are feeling kind of the weight of it in the mental health way. For yeah. sure. For sure. So I would just give an uh, amen to everything I already said, you know, um, amen. all of those things I already gave. Amen to those. My own amen to myself. <laughs> I agree with myself. Um, but then as I was thinking about any other little outliers tips, I compiled a little list um, of a few more things I would really recommend. Um, all of these come from the understanding that social media is a tool. It's not the real world. The real world, your real life is what happens when you are off of your screen. And so all of these tips that I'm going to give 
um, are things that will help you to actively remember that your real life is off the screen and that it's more important for you to be building your real life than sitting on your phone thinking about how you don't have one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that makes sense. Okay, these tips. First off, set time limits. Um, you can physically set a time limit on your phone where it'll tell you like, hey, you're done with screen time. I don't know how, but I know it's a thing you can do. Yeah. <laughs> um, second, set boundaries for when and how you're going to use social media. For me, um, I had to set the rule that I am not on social media when I am with my kids because my two-year-old would say, mom, get off your phone, get off your phone all day, every day. And it just would make me feel like the worst mom. And it would make him even act out more because he was feeling like he wasn't getting the attention he needed, you know? So put that, that boundary where social media is spent during my time, not during my kid's time. Um, three, prioritize in-person connection with people in person and on the phone, um, over connecting over the internet. Internet connections are great for people who you don't have the opportunity to see who live far away from you, but it's really important that you focus on making friends who you can see, friends who you can talk to on the phone, friends who you can see in person, um, because those relationships add to our mental health. They improve our mental health uh, far more significantly than a connection, just a digital connection online. Fourth, have a purpose online. When you go on your phone, have something you're going to do. Don't just go on to numb. For example, I'll be like, okay, I'm going to go on here. I'm going to make this post. I'm going to comment a couple things and then I'm going to get off. Um, If you're not a content creator, your goal could be like, I'm going to go on and uh, find out how so-and-so is doing. I know they're struggling with this thing. Or I'm going to go on and five five people to leave a compliment more and then I'm going to leave. Um, fifth, talk to others about how you're feeling. If you're starting to feel imposter syndrome, if you're starting to feel like you're not good enough, talk to somebody about it. Like I said earlier, shame lives in the dark. Connection lives in the light. Six, openly communicate with your kids. Teach them, prepare them for social media because honestly, this young generation is like the guinea pigs of social media and we as their parents need to be the ones to help them be proactive and to know what things are going to be hard on social media so that they don't take them so seriously. Two more. Seven, uh, make a plan for yourself. Have a tool kit in store for when you're struggling with comparison and criticism. What are you going to do? How are you going to combat that? Because if you don't think of it ahead of time, if you don't have a plan for how to cope with that, then it just becomes this tidal wave and you don't know how to swim. And finally, build a strong emotional foundation away from social media with God, family, friends, connecting with yourself, because the stronger personal foundation you have, the more able you are to handle um, the struggles that come on social media, because you realize, like I said, that is not your real life. Your real life is off the screen and social media is just a tool to enhance your real life. It is so true. And I feel like we're missing out on that enhancing, right? Because it's so much of just, oh, the ick. I don't know. There's there's a lot of darkness yeah. to social media. But I think if you can figure out how to hack it, like we talked about in the beginning, that we're like all trying to figure out 
it can bring a lot of joy and connection and happiness and um like in preparation for this episode I've been taking a social media break to notice like I was inspired by my husband because he decided to delete all of his social media he had just re-downloaded social media to um (laughs) be more a part of the NBA playoffs and like follow all of that and so he noticed he was feeling addicted and so he's like I'm gonna delete it all and I was like I'll join you and so um we've both deleted our social media for the month of July and um so all I've kept is like Marco Polo because I talk to people one-on-one on that and Snapchat because I just send like it's just a family way to communicate in our family and I have felt so much better so so much better to the point where I'm taking all of your tips and I'm like okay when I come back to social media which I am um, I'm really going to try to be boundaried with it and just know when I'm starting to feel bad to just get rid of it because I've taught myself that I have that ability to just delete it and I've had much less comparison because I'm not comparing my marriage or my relationship with my kids to other people online. It's just been really life-giving. So I like what you said about I'm taking a break right now. I don't know if I'll be back in a week or a month or six months from now. Um, I just think taking a break from it can be good and it can show you where the issues lie and then go from there. Just kind of rebuild. So... Yes, yes. It helps you know where the issues are. And it also helps remind you what's important, you know, because you realize, wow, I have a really good life. And I don't need to prove that anybody. And I don't need to post about it to make it good. I just think that's where you build your foundation is off your phone, you know? Yes, well said. Oh, well, Heidi, I just love you. I appreciate it so much that you came and talked to us about this. It was um, the very raw conversation um I you're just so open and I can just feel how much you love people and you want to share your experiences and like I said earlier our goal with recording is always you know if this podcast episode can help one person it was worth it and I think it will help one person and many more I just think what you're sharing here and what you have shared and what you will share on social media in the future is really impactful. And I'm just grateful that you're online, you know, in whatever capacity it makes sense for you in your life. I think it's just a good spot on the internet wherever you are. So thank you for joining oh, us. Thanks, I sure love you. Thank you for bringing me on. I've been so excited to come talk to you girls about all this because it's, it's near and dear to my heart and also a hard thing in my heart. It's just in my heart. It's yeah. right there all yeah. the time. So for people listening, if they do want to find you on social media, where can they find you and get more of the hot mess Heidi inspiration? For sure. On Instagram, my handle is at hot mess Heidi Roby only because my normal hot, our hot mess Heidi handle Someone else has it, and I asked them if I could buy it, and then she blocked me. So oh, no. <laughs> it's fine. Don't follow Hot Mess Heidi on Instagram. <laughs> She's not nice. <laughs> Hot Mess Heidi Roby. On TikTok and Facebook, it's Hot Mess Heidi. 
Um, so yeah, check me out on any of those channels and I will, oh, also on YouTube, YouTube oh. as well. I'm just on all of that. I did yeah. not know. But it's the same content. So follow one, you'll get the same thing <laughs> everywhere. You get the most content on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Wherever you like to be on social media, you can find you there and it is a fun spot on the internet, I must say. Thank you. For sure. And right now it is extremely inactive, but it will be active again. And I literally have, I'm not being sarcastic when I say it, I have hundreds of comedy skits written on my phone, hundreds of them. Uh, and I have more than I will ever have time to create, but I look forward to creating them when I yeah, come back. So let's all just take a break, reassess, <laughs> and then we can meet up again for these comedy skits. It'd be awesome. And yes, queen. Yeah, I love you, boo. And love all of you listening, sending you big virtual hugs because you're loved and you're enough and you're special and you need to know it. The best. That's awesome. Well, thanks for joining and we will catch you next time. Thanks for joining us today. We want to create a community of inclusion where we can have conversations about topics that you need help with or have questions about. We want you to have a voice in this process, so please let us know what you want to hear about on future episodes. You can email us at thoughtspod at gmail.com. And if you search thoughtspod, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All original music is composed by Milan Bryich from Valley of the Bears, and our logos are by Rick Thomas. Thanks for joining us.